The Canadian Centre for Food Integrity held a webinar last week on the concept of a social license to operate in agriculture. That was the focus of a thesis done by Erin Cote, who recently completed her MBA and Master of Science in Food and Agribusiness Management. The full webinar is available on the foodintegrity.ca site. Glenda Lee Allen Vossler took in the webinar. Due to time, she highlights some of the key points in Erin's thesis. Social license to operate is a really interesting concept and kind of shows how the public really integrates with companies, even if they aren't the direct consumer. But what's the drawback? If you're not, if you need this license, but you don't have this license, what does it do? What's the big point? And that's where this gets really interesting. Because if you need a social license and you don't have one, costs of doing business increase. Because that public is going to use its power to impede your business. And they can do this on a minor level. They can increase things like labor costs, trade costs, but they can also increase those costs to a point where you can't do business anymore and they'll actually impede you from uh, conducting business at all. So it can get really serious if the public really decides that they do not like what you're doing and they don't believe that you have a right to operate anymore. She says based on the interviews that she did, she came up with a list of challenges and actions. And when it came to challenges, the first challenge is the public. The public can really be distilled down into that. They're powerful, interested, unaware, and afraid. And those first two criteria are so important because, as I mentioned before, with that criteria, you know right away that you need a social license to operate. And so we can already start playing to, okay, how do we address the public? How do we engage with them? How do we make sure that we're actually getting into this place where we can communicate? Um, And the public isn't always got a direct means of power. We often see it in agriculture through politics, uh, through NGOs and other environmental groups. And even through their consumer behavior at the end of the day, because as someone pushes their grocery cart down the aisle and chooses an organic product over a conventional one, or maybe something with a non-GMO label, those choices are passed up the value chain at the end of the day. So the company they buy from says, great, we'll make more, we'll start sourcing more. And that gets passed on to their their suppliers and then to the main producers who are then making the decisions at the end of the day of what chemicals to use, what seed to buy, what kind of fertilizers they're going to be using as well. So, And in that way, that final end input company is affected. So it takes a much longer time to go through the value chain that way, but you do end up seeing a lot of those changes and a lot of those pressures. As well, something that was identified by almost all of my participants was that the public is just unaware. We're getting generationally farther away from the farm. People are living in urban centers much more predominantly than they are in rural centers. And there's just a really big disconnect between what people know as a farm and what a farm actually is. They've got that ingrained memory of going out to grandpa's place when they were little and maybe it was just his retirement farm and he had 10 cows. And that was it. That was what they saw. And that's what they think of food production. And so now when they see the big pictures of the big sprayers and the tons of fertilizer that we're putting down and articles about different kinds of seeds and seeds and genetics that we're using, that can be really scary because there's that huge disconnect. They don't understand why we need all of that. They don't, they don't have that connection to, oh, sure, they're using you know, however many liters of chemical, but that is so diluted and that is so spread across such space. That's not, that's not what they see. That's not what they have at the end of the day. So it drives a lot of fear. 
Um, and we've seen this fear create change in our industry before, right? We've seen tons of change in the animal welfare, in animal production industries, and a lot of that can be attributed to changing consumer attitudes on what they believe is acceptable. She says the second challenge is information. There's a lot of misinformation and a lot of disinformation flying around there about agriculture right now. And it seems to spread incredibly fast. And that's a challenge on its own is that really changing method and style of communication that we've seen over the past 10, 15 years with social media. So the next point I've got is from industry and industry has our own set of challenges. So the biggest one is our lack of a voice. We've been pretty quiet over all of our changes and everything through the past couple of years. We've gone through some really great improvements. We've, you know, created some amazing new genetics. We've gotten new, new tools and products that we can use to be so much better in our industry, but we haven't really communicated that outside of our industry. She says once we identify challenges, we have to identify actions like continuous improvement, communication, and stakeholder management. That was Erin Cote talking about her thesis, A Social License to Operate in Agriculture. It was part of a webinar last week with the Canadian Centre for Food Integrity. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Vossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network.